Hello, friends. This is Taver Lee, and you are listening to Grit and Grace. We are here for soul-level conversations that will take us across the veil in mystical and magical ways. I invite you to leave what you know at the door, open your heart, and receive. If you want to find out more information, make sure you go to moontempleschool.com. And now let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to Grit and Grace. I hope that this podcast finds you well in whatever season or whatever area of the world you find yourself in at the moment. And today we're going to be talking about spellcasting, which is kind of an interesting topic for me because it's the number one most commonly asked question that I receive when people find out I'm a witch and they just bump into me or I'm out doing human stuff and they meet me and they're like, oh, do you like cast spells and stuff? And I'm like, yep, I sure do. And they're like, well, what is that? And I know many of you desire to dabble, master, up level, or truly just understand how working with real spells, which to me is real magic, how working with that can be a part of your daily life and what you need to know. And this is fascinating to me. And I love, love, love talking about this. And I'll say that I'm going to give you five tips today, the most important things that you need to know, which are foundational practices if you desire to work with or do more spell casting. And this is a reminder for myself and for many of us who use spells regularly. This is something that we should continue to come back to, no matter what we're working on, what we're working with, and knowing that these pieces are pivotal in the success of what you're creating. These pieces are pivotal. And I have a big class coming called Spellcasting 101. And if you are listening to this after that class has taken place, go find all the things at moontempleschool.com to see if there's a replay available. And if you catch this before June, make sure that you register. Because this year in 2023, I have made it my focus to bring to you all the workings that I do in my own practice and life. Outside of just initiate paths and high priestess rituals, I'm bringing to you the things that I use in my practice all day, every day. And so these pop-up classes or these special workshops that are coming, like the New Moon Magic, like the Babylon Red Spell, I'm bringing these to you in smaller bite-sized pieces. So you can pick and choose where you want to study, what you want to focus on at the time and bring it into your life. And so let's talk for a little bit about spellcasting before I give you these five tips. Let's think about the history and let's focus on ancient times before religious dogma came in place and determined that creating things on your terms with access to wisdom and working with energies outside of the way that they have determined you should work with God, how that got squashed. Because before then, we all know, if you're listening to this podcast and you are in a spiritual or witch community, you know that there are so many ancient practices that have been around for a long time that we use in our lives today. And it's been the case, right? If you even think of during war times, 
there would be armies or military structures or groups that would call upon certain gods or deities to come in and bless their troops to get home safely to protect their land. They would likely even consult with oracles to get insight. They would make offerings. They would create a relationship with those that would protect them from the other side of the veil. And of course, in all of those cases, there was never a lack of death or a lack of effort or action that was taking place, but it was working things into their favor through magic and spells. So what we're talking about has been, and that's just one example, but we're talking about this in the way that it's been used for a very long time. In fact, as long as humans have been alive in any culture, religion, or practice, you're going to find people that have been working with energy and magic in some way, shape, or form, even if they didn't call it that, even if they didn't call it spellcasting. And so let's look at spellcasting as a word, like the word spell. Well, we all have likely heard that there's a reason why when you, you know, when you're using words as magic, it's called, you know, spelling, um, because you are actually using words to create worlds, right? The way that we combine words, sentences, sayings in ancient languages and ancient texts, and even in modern day languages and texts, we are constantly casting spells by the words that we use to describe ourselves, others, and our situations. And for those of you that have worked for me, with me in some way, shape, or form, you know that I'm constantly, constantly, probably to your annoyance, correcting your language. And I do that for your benefit because I can see, as a seer, I can see what you are creating in your life by the words you're using. So when you spend time with me in a session or a reading or in a mystery school class, I, I will come in and help you with those words because it's easy for us to forget after a lifetime of describing ourselves in certain ways or certain situations. It's easy to forget how important and powerful our words are. So spell casting is an influence. It is creating an influence with energy that is in our field. Now, it can often be a low, slow build of influence. It can be an immediate change in your energy, in your world, in any situation. And it's a shift of working things in your favor. For spell casting, assuming we're talking about this conversation about you, just you first. Now, you might be doing spells on others' behalf, which I do all the time. In fact, I have a really powerful healing spell in the works right now for one of my beautiful, beautiful friends who has just recently undergone surgery for skin cancer. And so I've done some pretty big healing spells for her. And I've done that by invoking certain healing goddesses and putting my own energy into a ritual that is meant to support her. And I did that with her consent. I did that with her consent. I also have a, a dear brother that uh, I sit with in the Wisdom Keepers Council whose family has several different issues going on with parents and different challenges they're facing health-wise and, you know, as, as people age. And so I asked his permission to even just use fire magic to send love and clarity to him and his family as they navigate these changes. So I do a lot of work on other people's behalf, but today we're going to talk about you working on your own behalf. So going back to the definition of spellcasting, it is creating something that supports what you desire as an influence, 
as an influence. Now, there are several caveats to that, which are the five things I'm going to tell you about today. But you likely already do spells, and I've used the example of words and how you speak, but even things as simple as prayer, even things as simple as singing a song on your birthday and blowing out a candle after you've made a wish, that's a spell. That is a spell. All of these things that we do remotely without even thinking about our spells. And they might feel small. You might not even realize, oh my gosh, every birthday I'm casting a spell with my great-grandmother who's Catholic. (laughs) That always just gives me a little chuckle. But we are. We're doing spells regularly. And there are so many different methods, lineages, ways that you can think about spell casting. For example, some people feel strongly that your feelings and your vibration alone creates change. Some people feel that you have to visualize it and hold it only in your visual field at the like macro level, and that's how you cast a spell. Some people feel like the only thing you need to do is work with the elements. Some people feel like you must engage and call in a god or a goddess in order to properly cast a spell. Some people feel that you may need to only do spells from altered states of consciousness in order to truly have clarity. Some people feel that you must cast a spell after doing divination and having clarity. That could be your oracle cards, tarot cards, whatever it is that you do. Some people feel that you must meditate first. So there are all these different ingredients that people can teach you and you can learn from. And I highly recommend if any of those interest you, go down that rabbit hole. But I invite you to remember that it's not just one or the other. I want you to go to, go to a higher level, eagle's perch view of it. And I want you to think of all of these pieces matter. Focusing on just one of them may, may not, may limit you. It may limit you. So think bigger picture. Think of all the different ingredients that you can put in. It's like, can I make bread from just using flour? Probably not. I know not. Can I make bread from just using flour and egg? Hmm. Maybe, might not be the best bread, but maybe. Can I make bread from flour, yeast that's been soaked in milk, eggs, a little salt? If I want to add flavors, I can add herbs. Do I want to add sugar for it to be sweet or do I want it to be tart or sour? These are all the different paths or ways of doing spells is the same. It's a recipe. And so my suggestion to you is to think about when you're starting to build spells into your daily work as what are the ingredients that's going to create the best outcome that I desire, knowing that it's an influence and not a complete creation. Until you've mastered spellcrafting, it is difficult to do an entire creation. Now, in saying that, in the Babylon Red Spell, I walked everyone through the exact process. We, you got the ingredient list first, you got the recipe first, and then we actually did the spell. And I've already heard from several people that participated in the Babylon Red Spell how many things in their life changed immediately. And that was a fun powerful, juicy, 
energetic working with the goddess Babylon, and we provided a lot of offerings. We did a lot of detailed work. So we brought in all of the different ingredients, but it was also very specific. It was very specific. So think of all the different methods you may know about spell casting as ingredients to the success of what you desire. Now, here's what spell casting cannot do. And I'm going to say most of the time, there are always exceptions to the rule, and I'm never going to say never. But in most instances, working with spells need to align with universal law. Meaning, if it is the height of the summer and you live in a tropical location and you cast a spell for snow, it's highly unlikely that that's going to happen. Universal law tells us that gravity, seasonal change, the planetary alignment with how our earth is moving is going to overpower the most powerful spell. Now, can that be the case always? Uh, Most of the time. Uh, Another example can be uh, this is so interesting that I keep coming back to the lottery example. How many people feel like winning the lottery is a life goal or that it's going to solve all their problems? Not to mention the fact that you are 45 times more likely to get struck by lightning than you are to win the lottery. But if you think of the amount of people on the planet right now that desire that exact same thing and do spells and workings on that, it's like they're all getting canceled out. They're all getting canceled out. So making sure that what you're focusing on is attainable. It is not outside of universal law. And if you want to work beyond universal law, by by all means, do so. Do so with fucking power. <laughs> because the weather, as an example, is manipulatable. And I know several sorcerers or wizards or just humans that work with weather patterns. And they you know, in most instances, they are working with the weather that is already established and creating small fluctuations of change. I've done the same. You probably have heard me tell the story how I brought a tree down in a massive, uh, energetic anger feeling. And I had this rise of heat and anger in my body at a situation that was occurring. And a massive, I mean, 100 foot tall tree fell down right in front of my window, smashed into my window and smashed my deck, smashed my deck. And it happened on video call when everybody was witnessing this rise of my sacred rage and what occurred at that time. But I will tell you that that happened when it was already raining and there was already wind happening. So there was already weather patterns in place that supported that particular issue to occur. Now, I didn't cast a spell for that to happen. I just didn't necessarily have great control of my sacred rage in that moment. Big lesson learned. Big lesson learned on channeling sacred rage safely. So knowing that you need to work within universal laws, you need to work with things that are attainable. And that is going to be different for everyone. Universal law is is like one category. The next category is what's attainable for you. For example, we know that gravity is actually a, a, a real thing on this planet. And yet, can people have things lifted off the ground and moved in spells? Fuck, yes, they can. Can you bend things, change things, create shifts in the atmosphere where that gravity is temporarily replaced and tangible items move? Yes, yes, yes. And that is attainable because, again, in small bits and spurts, it's possible. Now, 
would that same type of spell or working lift an entire house off the ground for two hours for everybody to see? Unlikely, right? Attainable, working with energies that are already in place. So this does not apply to, and this is point number two, what spellcasting is not. Spellcasting is not to replace the inner work and the action required at the human level. It is in conjunction with, it is a combination of taking spellcasting as subtle, sometimes not subtle, but influences means there needs to also be movement and change at the human level. So do not allow spellcasting to replace the need to do the work. As an example, and I give this example often, is if you find yourself casting a lot of protection spells or cord cutting spells to remove you know, toxic lovers or friends from your life and you're doing it over and over again, the inner work part of that is how you get yourself in a place where your boundaries are crossed in the first place. How, do you, how did you get there? So no amount of spells are actually going to create the permanent change that you require in your life as a human on a growth level. Now, those spells might work every single time, and maybe you do emergency spell work, emergency magic, last minute all the time, but you are more likely to be successful in your life as a whole if you go back and address that issue at the inner level of your own soul, of your own heart, in your solar plexus, in your belly, doing that work, healing trauma, evaluating where those behaviors come from, then bringing in spell work to support that version of you that is emerging from the cocoon of the old version of you. So don't allow spell casting to replace the need to do the inner work. All right. So now that we've got all that covered, I want you to know these five things are super important. They're powerful. They're what you need to know. It's the most important things that I can give you. Now, exact recipes for spells Building a spell, creating layers of spells from simple spells that you can do every time you have a coffee and tea in the morning to how to enchant your water before you consume it to exact steps. That's going to be done in the class Spellcasting 101 because I couldn't possibly cover all that in this platform of sharing on this podcast. So these five things, foundational practices, put them in place. Number one, the most important part of spellcasting, intention setting, any of these things is knowing with clarity what you want. It's actually the hardest part. I was teaching sigil magic in the last high priest, high priestess level two class. And this is a, a real challenge for a lot of people is being extremely clear on what you want. Because oftentimes what you want, if you know that you can create it and it's possible, then a lot of other considerations come in place. This is where, you know, this, this is where it really matters for you to have clarity and know yourself. And if you haven't done the work to really get to know yourself and find your center and know what your purpose, your values, your desires are, then you should go watch the video in my Facebook group called Witch Power. And it was recorded on... April 29th, and I give you 10 things that you need to know to be activated and stay in your activated state. And this is part of the inner work of taking the time in your life to develop clarity on what you want. That's so important. Number two, 
Test and practice lots of things, small little spells, bigger spells, test and practice them. It's like a muscle. You will start to learn what works for you. And, and yes, in the class, Spellcasting 101, I'm going to give you specific recipes and formulas, but you should test small things and put measurable ways in it. I'm, I mean, to me, I want you to learn spellcasting in a way that works and the results speak for it. So when the results come in, then you start to develop that understanding, that feeling, that knowing of how to cast and monitor your spells. Number three, the most powerful God, goddess, deity, spirit guide, angel, archangel that you can work with in any spell is the one that you have a relationship with. You could do some research on a spell that you wish to cast and you could find, maybe you've heard me talk about Babylon and you're like, who is this Who is this goddess Babylon? Ooh, she's fascinating. She's sensual. She's powerful. She is also very much associated with abundance and pleasure. You might feel like, oh, I want to work with her. Great. So I'm going to create a spell. And, and we did in the class. So just to clarify, we did after we did a little working with her. But before you go and just cast a spell with her, get to know her, create a relationship. If you desire more work with the archangel Metatron, who is the highest of the high, it is the God that Yeshua or Jesus prayed to. And you know that Metatron is this powerhouse of a creator for you. You know this and you want to work with Metatron and you just boom, bring him into a spell and yet you don't know anything about him and you don't have a relationship with him. May it work? Yes. But the real juice comes from working with those that you have a relationship with. So my invitation is to today, write a list of all gods, goddesses, deities, angels, archangels, spirit guides that you know and that you have a relationship with or have in the past and determine how you can strengthen those relationships through altars, making offerings, journaling with them, getting to know them. Because even if you're working with uh, an ancient Greek god that is known to create an opening for communication for you, even if you know that to be true, you are going to likely have more success with your own spirit guide that you communicate with regularly than with that particular Greek god. So build relationships with those that you desire to work with. Uh, what are we on? Number four. Number four. Your life needs to be enchantable. There needs to be spaciousness, feelings, plans, dedication to creating your life on your terms, which means you need to have the spaciousness to have an enchantable life. That's in belief, that's in your conversations, that's in your time alone, in your relationships, that's in your connection with your own power, your own beauty, your own desires. That creates a life that is enchantable. And it also means being willing to do new things, experience, do, see, and have new things appear in your life. And if you're really closed off and you feel like you're not open to that or you're not connected to your body, then it's a great time to maybe cast a spell to open greater communication with your own alignment and your center. It also might mean therapy. It also might mean trauma-informed coaches that can support you to remove layers, to make your life more enchantable. 
And I'll talk about that more in Spellcasting 101 because having an enchantable life takes a little bit of work, <laughs> takes a little bit of inner work. Actually, sometimes it might take a lot of inner work to create an enchantable life. And number five, follow-up and action is also required. Not everybody loves this. Lots of people think, oh, I'm going to cast a spell to take this person that's talking about me and put them in the freezer. I'm going to freeze them so they're not talking about me anymore. But yet they don't actually in their human life block them on social media or block their number. They allow that door to stay open. It is counterintuitive to what you're doing if you allow that. It's the same thing if you desire a new job. I can help you build a 10-layer spell that will open communication for an interview, that will create opportunities for you to follow up, that will allow others to see you in a different light. I can build all these spells in place for you. But if you don't apply for the job, then you're missing the opportunity. So know that spellcasting also requires taking the action step. And oftentimes, spellcasting means I'm going to create a spell that will get me just the next step and then a, a bigger spell that will get me through the next step. And then I'm going to solidify that with a spell to anchor it in for a long-term basis. This is how spell work is powerful, is knowing that it's layers, knowing that it takes a little time to practice and get to know yourself a little bit deeper. And it is also completely possible for you to use the influence of spellcasting to create life in the way that you desire it to be. So I hope this was helpful. Thank you for listening. Check out the link, Spellcasting 101. I'm going to bring the juice and I hope to see you all there. Thank you for joining us today. On any of your favorite listening apps, we would really appreciate a rating and review. And if you're looking for more information, make sure that you go to moontempleschool.com and you can find us there. 